You're listening to the Grow Further Podcast, dedicated to helping you on your journey to get from where you are now to where you want to be. I'm Chris. And I'm Ellie. And we're your hosts. Grow further with us, starting now. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Grow Further Podcast. Ellie, I feel like this particular topic is one that has been in the making. It's been in the oven for years. It has been, especially since there have been some really big things that I think we've all been through over the past three to four years in the world. There have been a lot of things going on. And I think that this topic has come up again and again and again because of our need to get through all of these things that have happened. Yeah, absolutely. And if, for those of you that saw the title of the episode, maybe you already know what we're talking about, but it's around the word resilience. Okay. Resilience, in my personal opinion, is something that you don't know you need it until you need it. Exactly. And what I'm looking forward to diving into with you, Ellie, and everybody listening is a little bit more about resilience because this is one of those buzzwords. Traditionally, we think about resilience as bouncing back, getting through something that's difficult. Right. And we're going to break that down for you. But that flavor and that need is something that if we can gain a skill set around resilience before we need it, then it makes it even better. So what Ellie and I are going to bring you today is a really high level look at what resilience is, how we live it, what ingredients reside within resilience that reside within all of us. Let's start by kind of defining what resilience is. And, you know, many times when we hear the word resilience, there are some words that probably come to mind. Many of you might be thinking, you know, bouncing back or, um, you know, getting through something or surviving. What are some words that come to mind for you, Chris? Uh, flexible. Oh, yeah. Some some people used to say like Semper Gumby, just like, you know, making sure that you're able to bend and mold to whatever the environment needs. A lot of people say strength and strength comes to mind for me when it comes to resilience, um, mental strength, emotional strength, physical strength, agility, perseverance. Yeah, those are all very true. And, you know, because we want to be technical here, um, we're, we're going to define resilience. Resilience is the capability to recover quickly from difficulties, to grow and thrive in the face of setbacks. So, you know, I said survive earlier, but it's not just about surviving. It's really about thriving in the face of setbacks. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that that's so true. That definition came from uh, the University of Pennsylvania. It was two parts, right? Um, So the first part was recovering quickly from difficulties. I would take out the word quickly, honestly, um, because that survival part is so important. And there are times in life where we just have to muddle through it. And it's not going to be pretty. I think one of the resilience myths in LA, I mean, you and I've talked about this. I think a lot of times when people think resilience, they might think superheroes. Yeah. You know, like nothing ever happens to you. You just get through it. You always have a smile on your face. And that's not necessarily true. Like sometimes resilience is feeling your feelings. You know, sometimes resilience is dancing in the rain. And finding your umbrella, you know, and then maybe even letting it go and just just being and feeling, you know, and that might not look pretty. Acknowledging what it is that you're going through. And that is a basic human need for survival. To your point, many times when we think about resilient people, it's like, oh, those are the people that, you know, they have had a traumatic thing happen in their life and they just bounce back from it like nothing ever happened. And that's not that's not real. That's that's truly a myth. And being able to grow from things that happen, grow further 
haha, ha, I, I could say. That's funny. Um, you just had, I to, had to. I had to. Being able to grow from something that happened to you and not be defined by it and not be um, letting it weigh That's down, so I think is is what I feel is resilience. Because, you know, when difficult things happen, many people experience some stress from it, right? A, a bad thing, right. a situation, a setback can be a trigger for some people. And, you know, we we define that, uh, so to speak, or, or we can talk about that in terms of, of, a, of a concept that many of you are probably familiar with, which is post-traumatic stress. You know, people are, are walking around, not necessarily right. with, you know, a disorder s- specifically, but just something happened to them and it continues to cause stress whenever they're faced with a similar situation. But let's talk about something um, different, which is something you taught me, Chris, um, that resilient individuals actually experience something different. Yes, they do experience something a little bit different. Not that it's not stressful and not that resilience isn't always pretty. And a lot of times you just need to muddle through. But I'm asking all of you that are listening right now, have you ever heard of the term post-traumatic growth? So instead of PTS or PTSD, we're talking post-traumatic growth. Ellie, one of the things that you said that's always resonated with me and you were like dancing all around it earlier is you grow through what you go through. I love that quote. I do too. And that's what post-traumatic growth is about. You go through something really, really hard. And in the moment, it stinks. It's terrible. You wouldn't have chosen it necessarily. But eventually, you get to a place where you say, and you can look back at it and say, you know what? Not something I would have chosen, but I'm grateful for it because it opened up this door. It opened up this opportunity. It allowed me to build this relationship with this person that I never would have had the opportunity to connect with. But you end up growing as a result of that hard thing. Yeah. And as opposed to letting that hard thing be a definition of who you are yeah. or just who, or just defining yourself by that thing. Yeah. And I think it's it, it, I think this is a great segue into the ingredients of resilience, because it's interesting. There are a lot of things that make up ing- resilience, right? There are a lot of things that that um, come into resilience in different pieces, at different percentages, in different different ways. But many right. of them are moldable. Many of them you can develop. Many of them you can hone and grow. You know, I, I think that we have this preconceived notion that some people are just born more resilient than others. And there's some truth to that, right? Some some people are born with a stronger ability to be resilient. And that's the thing that you can't change. You can't change your genes, can't change your DNA, but there are a lot of different ingredients for resilience that you can grow and change and, yeah. and mold. So what are some of those other ingredients that are really important when it comes to resilience, Chris? The thing that I love about having ingredients to resilience are that it's hard to tell a person, just grow through what you're going through right now. Yeah. So much easier said than done. Like just be resilient. Just be resilient right now and you're going to be fine. It's like, no, how do you actually, how can you actually intentionally be more resilient? And when we share these ingredients with you, these are ingredients that are on your counter. This is not an all-inclusive list. I'd say that every single person that is listening to this right now, you are resilient. You're not listening to this because you're not. You're likely listening to this because you are. You are living it whether or not you feel like you are because you're listening to a podcast all around growth. So something made you look it up and hit play. You know, that is what a resilient person is going to do. They're going to look for different strategies, but we're going to break down some of these ingredients so that you can start targeting Ooh, and celebrating. I think this ingredient is pretty strong within myself. 
But this one isn't as strong within myself. And if I start focusing on that, maybe my overall resilience could be even greater. So here we go. The ingredients of resilience also based in research from the University of Pennsylvania. We've got your DNA. I'm going to flip through these really quickly. You got self-awareness, self-regulation, cognitive agility, self-efficacy, optimism, connection, and psychological safety. Now, because this is like a shorter podcast, we don't have the time to go in and define all of these things. But I would like for you all to ask yourselves, which one of those ingredients really stood out to you as an ingredient that you possess? And Ellie, what I'm going to throw over to you is which ingredient do you think is most important? That will depend upon the person, right? But just in your opinion, which one is most important in your Well, eyes? it's interesting because I think that, uh, you know, you read all of these ingredients and much like recipes, we each have different tastes for things, right? We might cook the same dish, but use more of one spice versus another. And, you know, for me, I think that there are two that really stand out, one of them being connection. I think that, you know, if you think about how we came to be as a human race, we came together as villages, right? There was community, there was connection, there was common purpose. And it allowed you to be more resilient because you knew that other people were going through similar things at the same time. So when you feel connected to other people, it allows you the ability to get through more, to take more, you know, punches, to take more hits because you have other people to depend on, to rely on, to talk to. So research does show that if you have at least one person that you can rely on, you're more likely to be resilient. Because similar to resilience residing within our DNA, resilience and connection resides. That desire, that need to connect to other people does reside within our DNA. And when we do have that group, Ellie, like you said, when we do have that village that we can lean on, we're absolutely more likely to get through stuff. So connection to me is absolutely one of the most important ingredients for resilience. You're going to be more resilient if you've got at least one person that you can rely on. And if you have more, even better. So I agree. I think that for me, connection is very important. I think I don't want to say it's even more important, but it may be equally and a little bit less intuitive is optimism. Mm. If you don't yep. have any hope that things can be different, that there will be an end to this difficult situation, time in your life. If you don't have a sense of hopefulness for things to get better, then resilience, I don't think is even possible. Like why bother if you don't think things can change? Right. Because why would you bring self-awareness? Why would you bring self-regulation? Why would you want to talk to somebody about it if you believe that it, it's not going to matter anyway. Yeah. There's no point in trying. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. I think that if we if we thought of resilience as a as a vehicle, right? Optimism is the engine, it's the engine. that drives it, that that allows it to move forward. Because again, like you said, why bother? But the question is, and this is, you know, this is one of those other things where people just say, you know, be more resilient and you'll get through it. People also say, oh, be, be more, more optimistic. optimistic, you know? And, yeah, no. And how do we do that? You know, like optimism is something that, you know, remember, optimism is a perception, but we as human beings, and we talk about this often, even on this podcast, we are hardwired to have a negativity bias. We're hardwired to see right. threats, fear. So knowing that, how do we develop the skill of optimism? How do we become more optimistic when we know that we, we have a lot stacked against us? 
Yeah, you're right. And I love that we have defined resilience. We've talked through that. We've talked through the ingredients of resilience. We've shared those with you. We double clicked on two. And now we're taking a triple click on optimism. So that is the ingredient that we're going to help you more intentionally develop or understand how you can if you want to or need to. I would say that first, defining optimism is important before we can give a skill. And I'll do that very quickly. Uh, A lot of people think optimism optimism equates to positivity. Like, just think positive thoughts. Just think positive all the time. And that's how so many people out there that are listening right now are like, yeah. That, that is how I associated optimism. And hey, I get it. Like, I'm not, I'm not judging in the least. But if you consider yourself a realist, then guess what? You're also an optimist. Because people that are optimistic, they are wed to reality. They don't act like everything's fine if it isn't. They have confidence in themselves and their, and their team. And they don't just think everything's great all the time. Like, that's not what optimism is about. It is about addressing, this is hard, but this is what I can do in order to get through it. That's really what optimism is more about. And let's just, let's break that down for just a second, because you said if you're a realist, then you're an optimist, because logic tells us that any situation, any setback, any difficulty is temporary. And they're focusing on what they can control within that moment. It's true. To do something about exactly. it rather than hanging around the water cooler and just complaining after complaining after complaining, which is good for us to do from a connection perspective. But at some point, we need to do something about it that's within our control. Yeah. So a skill, if you want to build optimism, one of the things, and this is something I used to teach the United States military, Ellie, you and I've talked about it. You do this in your personal life. I make my best effort to do it. Look for the good things in your day, in life, in people. You have to look for the good things. Ellie, you said it earlier. We have a negativity bias. Yep. So we have to intentionally focus our mind on things that are good uh, because our brain isn't necessarily just going to give us that unless you've been the type of person that has focused and had gratitude exercises and since you were a kid, then maybe your brain is has developed to notice both the issues, the problems, the concerns with all the goodness that's around us all the time if we just open our eyes and our senses and look for it. So if we get even more specific, if you can at night name three things that you're grateful for, maybe you write it down, maybe you think about it. And if it's not at night, maybe it's throughout the day, you specifically have a moment in time where you think about something that you're grateful for, that will build your optimism. But what I would want to caveat this with is you can't just write down or say, I'm grateful for this yogurt that I just had. Yogurt comes back up from the very first episode (laughs) of the year, whatever. It's like, it's back now. Um, You can't just say, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for you know, the car, you know, it's like, well, these are things we have to take for granted, but why are you grateful for it? That's how you can actually experience the emotion of gratitude, which by default builds optimism and reminds us that there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is a lot of good in our world, but we just have to intentionally look for it. So that's one exercise is writing or thinking intentionally about three good things that you notice in the day. And you can even incorporate it in within routines for your family or your community, or maybe you start meetings, maybe you start dinners, maybe you start gatherings with sharing something that you're grateful for. I love that. That can also help not only you, but it can help others start thinking about that and building their optimism as well. So I'll pause there, Ellie. What do you think? What did I miss? Well, the only other thing that I would say is that I, I love that. I love the regular practice of gratitude. The other thing that I would say that's important when it comes to finding the good is that one of the things we can do or we could consider to build our optimism is to think about the silver linings, right? Anything that happens to mm. us has a lesson, has a message, has a has a uh, an 
it has allowed us to grow, to develop, to have different insights. So my, um, Mm -hmm. you know, my challenge for all of you is to continue to look at the silver linings. You know, today outside, it's a rainy day, but guess what? It's giving me a break from the heat because it's been in the 90s and hundreds here consistently. So today is a rainy day and I'm going to get to go on a walk or a hike without sweating profusely. So that's my that's yeah. my silver lining. I don't love the rain. I prefer sunshine, but at least I'm going to be able to get to have a little bit of reprieve from the heat. So, you know, in those moments where things seem bleak, think about the silver lining of what you could gain from it. What little tidbit of joy. And it might take some time also depending upon the thing that's going on to find that. But just if you have confidence that you will, that's resilience. It is. That I will find it. I'm not seeing it right now, but I will. And I love what you just shared around silver lines, Ellie, because it builds upon the skill that we shared earlier around three good things. It does. In your day, it's like a more nuanced, more specific. If something in your life is going on where it's not great, then look for the silver lining. You know, one of the things that I do believe is that everything happens for a reason. I really do believe that. And sometimes that reason doesn't show up until later, but believing that there is a later and believing that that the reason will show up, that is resilience. And that is all about your mindset and what you choose to focus on. So everybody, we're going to leave you with that. We hope that you enjoyed this conversation around resilience. We hope that you're leaving with a more definitive, you know, just definition of thinking about what it is maybe celebrating the things that already live within you that allow you to be listening to this right now, that allow you to be living with resilience right now. And we want to encourage you to be even more intentional with enabling your resilience and optimism through a couple of very specific things that really don't take that long to do that end up allowing us to be more resilient people. And hopefully if we are more resilient people, then the people around us can be more resilient and we could have that effect. So between now and next time, grow your resilience just a little bit further. We'll see you back in a couple of weeks. Bye, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Take care. This has been a CBS Health production. This episode was produced and edited by Jed Ackerman with digital support from Eva Charbonneau. Listen, follow, and let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Grow Further podcast. See you next time.